Hi, this is Micah from Joy to the Food, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave Eat Blog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hey, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 311. Today, Micah Kinney and I are going to have a conversation about creating blogging outlines in order to maximize keywords without stuffing. Micah and her husband, Dan, have been running Joy to the Food for a year and a half. Both work full-time jobs and do everything together for Joy to the Food in their off hours. Throughout the process of building this brand together, they have learned a lot about each other and the best way to work with your partner and to grow a blog. Dan does the numbers and styling, and Micah creates the content and handles communication. Micah, hey, how are you? I'm so happy to talk to you again. Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. I'm super stoked to be here again. <laughs> yes, me too. Well, I'm excited about this topic and I want to dig into it. But first, I was going to ask you if you have a second fun fact to share with us. Yeah, so I have run, um, I'm a big runner and I've run half marathons in five states and I'm on a mission to run one in every state. Whoa. But last year kind of slowed me down. <laughs> oh, do you have one on the schedule? Um, I'm looking at one in Iowa right now, trying to stay close to home at the moment. Ah, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys just got married in sunny California, so I bet you're kind of going (laughs) to want to stay home for a little bit, maybe. Yeah, yep. Yeah, cool. I didn't know you were a runner. That's very awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, let's talk about creating blogging outlines, because you guys had mentioned, you and Dan had mentioned that you do this. You started this like last fall, I think, right? Mm -hmm. As a way to just kind of dig into your content more and to optimize those keywords without doing that bad thing that we're not supposed to do, which is keyword stuffing. So I would love to hear how you came up with this formula and then talk to us about why you think it's important to do this outlining. Yeah. So um, we... We do not run Feast like a lot of people, and Feast actually has an outline. So we didn't know this, you know, in November. You figure it out as you go. So um, initially, our blog post had basic information. And then when we started using Rank IQ, and I think September, we noticed all these keywords were really hard to get into our post. Um, So around November, I started making iterations of basically this outline. So there's been about three iterations of it. um, And we started tracking our Google Analytics from then. And from the time that we started using it, we've actually 2xed our impressions and 5xed our clicks with this, you know, as part of, you know, it's lots of things go into that. But um, this using this outline actually lines up with that along with Rank IQ and Key Search and things like that. So that's awesome. So it's kind of a way to go around if you don't want to purchase the feast theme to kind of go around that. Yeah. Yep. And even add on to it because there are there's a lot of similarities, but there's some differences, too. So, um, you know, you can 
modify it and this is what works for us you know for example we use a lot of substitution options or we offer those and the feast option does not include that and that's another great way to get some of those um uh related keywords in okay so do you have any other points about why others should consider this yeah i mean keyword stuffing is you know if you don't know what keyword stuffing is it basically means you're just putting all these relevant keywords in when it doesn't make sense. Like if you're making uh, cheesy enchiladas, you're not going to say cheesy enchilada in every sentence if you're talking to somebody. So when you do that, Google it recognizes that, right? Google is smart. So it recognizes when you're writing this way and may not show you to people. It, it There's different things that work behind the scenes. So by using this outline um, or a outline, you can naturally get those words in, which I think they recommend like two to 3% of your post should have these keywords. Um, but you can get a lot of those in without it sounding forced. So I think everybody should be using an outline um, and it keeps your post consistent too, which is really great. Do you have all of this written out somewhere or is it something that you just know by heart? Do you have like um, somewhere where you store your outline? Yeah, no, I'm a scatterbrain, so I cannot <laughs> remember <laughs> yeah. anything. Um, no, so we have a Google Doc that is our outline. So every time I start a new post, I copy over that outline into a new post, and then I go from there. So that way I can remember everything. And that also has, well, I'll go over later, a, a checklist at the end of the post to make sure when we post it, I've hit all of these additional points that maybe aren't something that's written out. All right. Well, I would love to hear about your outline. So talk us through like, yeah, like where do you start with it? So, yeah. So if I'm going to write a post, um, you know, after I have the recipe figured out all that and I bring that outline into Google, um, the outline is based off of things that we've noticed, the keywords are similar um, similarities in the keywords, and it's also based off of what the user experience. So some similarities between the keywords we've noticed are um, equipment and methods. So like you need a large bowl, you need a whisk, a hand mixer, things like that. Um, recipe name variation. So you have your recipe keyword and then your related keywords. So that would be like cheesy enchilada would be your recipe keyword. And then after that, you would have chicken cheesy enchilada, um, cheddar enchilada, things like that. Then you have process terms, so to cook, medium heat, low heat, common questions, and then descriptors, which you always want to include, you know, yours should be the best enchiladas, the most delicious, and you should make that reader believe it. Um, so with our outline, then, we incorporate that through different categories, right? So um, our ingredients and substitutions is a great way to get in um equipment or is a great way to get in the recipe name variations and different things like red peppers, onions, things like that for enchilada. Um, how to make this, that's where we get in all the equipment and methods. Um, facts and common questions, great way to get them in as well. How to save this for later. And then we link to additional recipes. Um, so when I go through that, I will have all of my keywords that I found off to the side. I'll write the post first, then I'll come back and see where I'm at. Um, I don't want to write it with the keywords first because then it sounds very forced. I, I don't know if you guys have found this, but just using the Rank IQ Optimizer, I've found that it's kind of trained me to do all of this because I will take, I will write a post and I'll take that information and put it in the optimizer and then 
I'll see keywords on the side that like quote should be in my post that I'm like, oh, well, I could write a whole new section. And it's kind of what you're talking about. Like, maybe I didn't write substitutions. But if I added just one section on substitutions, it covers like seven keywords over there. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of trained me to think in a different way. Yeah, exactly. And that was part of, like I mentioned, what pushed us into this outline that we have now, um, like we've always had a section on how to store it, but it's just been a short blurb. So what we did is we broke that out into an entire new H2 heading section and we're able to get a lot more of those things in. Like how do you save it if you want to freeze it, if you want to put it in the fridge and then how do you reheat it from frozen, reheat it from fridge? Should you thaw it overnight first? It gets in a ton of those things that's super helpful to the reader because like you're probably not getting a whole pan of enchiladas. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) right. And it makes it so much more natural. Like you said, it's not forced. You're not putting keywords where maybe they're just seeming like unnatural. And it really does make your post uh, just one, one stop resource for whatever you're talking about. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, I mean, obviously your goal is to get readers to stay on your site as long as possible. So if you're going to write it and then you have this whole storage section of your, you know, we have flat beef enchiladas and then in our storage section, we have how to reheat enchiladas, which is a whole additional post that you could click to. But within that, we've got the short tidbits about freezing it, covering it, wrapping it, things like that. And then when the reader wants to learn more, then they're prompted to go elsewhere. But you're still getting your keywords in. Do you have other recommendations about ways to incorporate all of these things into a post? Um, Yeah. So I think like including writing out your steps, there's very different ideas on that, I guess, because you don't want to reiterate what's in your recipe card. But if you write out there, that's a great place to add those keywords because you can expand on an idea. You know, like if you have a specific way to grease the pan. If you have a specific way to get your foil to fit exactly in your pan, um, doing that in your step-by-step is a great way to expand on that and hopefully encourages readers when they're in the recipe like, oh, wait, how do I do this? How do I get it out of the pan now? I'm going to go up to the step-by-step. So you can get some of those other um, related keywords such as process terms. So you can say exactly, or if you say a range of heat, like say your oven isn't cooking the same as what it says. Like maybe you can look for signs. Are you starting to broil too fast? Things like that. Yeah. And then you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but like talking about your recipe being above and beyond others, is that another way to kind of um, another thing to dive into? Like why is it better than others? Yeah, exactly. So you want to I mean, you should believe that your recipe is the best, (laughs) but you need to make the reader believe that. Um, So not only is it a great way to get them excited about it, because they should enjoy reading it and be like, oh my gosh, I'm drooling just thinking about it, right? But it also, a lot of those um, related keywords are like best enchilada, most delicious, this is amazing, ooey gooey, things like that, which I guess I should note a lot of those related keywords from Rank IQ and optimizers are pulled from most common words in the top posts. So those are all things that you in turn then readers are searching for or looking towards. And we all want to know why it's the best, right? I mean, if I read a recipe personally, I'm like, okay, cool. This is the best enchilada recipe. But why? Tell me why. (laughs) So you Mm kind of need to dig into that a little bit. 
Yeah, exactly. You can say it has lots of spice or it uses a different spice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then as far as ingredients, I I try to always put an ingredient section in most of my recipes unless it's like, I don't know, I have some exceptions. But when I do, I try to include maybe some affiliate info and other details. How do you write out your ingredients? Yeah, so the ingredients, um, we don't want to put, you know, like two cups of cheese because that's what's in the recipe card. So we like to put um, maybe interesting info or what does it do in your recipe? Why are you using this one versus another one Um, or where to buy it in the grocery store? You know, like if it's a certain type of cheese, you want to use pepper jack, like say I want to use, we use pepper jack because we like additional spice. Um, But here's some other options. You know, you could use cheddar cheese. That's a keyword. You could use uh, mozzarella, which would be kind of weird of an enchilada. But you could use these different ones and, you know, get the keywords that make sense um, by detailing that. We had this conversation in the eBlogTog Mastermind the other day. We were going through somebody's post. I can't remember what the recipe was, but it was interesting because people use this section so differently. Like some people use it as... Like, here's what this ingredient will do for the recipe. And then others use it as like what you're saying. So maybe substitution options or you can choose from this variety or maybe like this ingredient is difficult to find in the store. So here's where you find it, like that sort of thing. But I do think it's helpful to also do the other side, like um, the onion provides blah, 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 or like explaining what purpose it, it has in the recipe. Does that make sense? Yeah, so and we actually do both and we I in my part of it might be because we're in I just love learning about food things and so I just assume other people do, but maybe they don't. Um but so we like to describe what it does, which I think is really important for like baking soda, baking powder things that are very specific, like hey, we're using this one because you need to use baking powder because it's going to help you rise. If you use baking soda, it's going to be too much. Um, but we also want to include those substitutions because like I grew up in a rural community. So if you can't find that, you shouldn't, shouldn't stop you from making the recipe. So I really feel that it's, you, it's an advantage to your reader and to you because you're getting more keywords in, you're getting more value for the post. Um, and if they don't want to read that section, they don't have to. So you're saying just throw it all in. I mean, it's all, valuable and to some it'll be interesting so yeah why not include it yeah yep and as long as it is valuable I mean you don't want to say like we're using a red onion because it's red like (laughs) you know I like the color red yeah (laughs) yeah right okay so talk about questions because some people do the FAQ block and some people do just you know like h2 and um body copy and some people do both so what do you suggest yeah, I guess that one's kind of up to you. I guess we are what we mainly stick to is we try to stick within five questions. Um, we have started playing around with them being in H2. Right now they're all H3s um, to see if they start to pull more. We, you know, you can find common questions of various ways. We typically just search Google for common questions related to something, but I think it's worth playing around whether it's more comfortable or fits in your post better to have it as an H2 or as a subcategory. Um, But just sticking to those five questions 
max because otherwise it just becomes overwhelming. Um, and we actually like to include it in our table of contents. So if it's a very specific question, then they could hop right to that if they wanted to. Food bloggers, I want to take a really quick second here to talk to you about something new that we're starting this summer. I'm super excited about it. I am loving this new movement of food bloggers who are digging into podcasting as a way to add an awesome, unique new layer to their business. I feel so passionately about this topic. Audio is so powerful and food bloggers digging into audio in the form of podcasting is going to be a huge, successful movement. It will be a way to expand your brand into new areas that you cannot even imagine. There is an entire episode dedicated to this, so go listen to episode number 306 if you haven't already, and I promise you're going to be inspired to dig into audio yourself. As a way to support this movement, I am creating a group coaching experience starting in June of 2022. If you are interested in joining us, there are a limited number of spots available just because I want to give you all my dedicated attention. Send me an email at megan at eatblogtalk.com if you're interested. I am including an introductory rate. It's a monthly rate. If you want in, you will be locked in at that rate. Send me an email. Tell me you're interested in the group coaching for podcasters. And I can't wait to see you inside and I can't wait to see how this just totally explodes your business. All right, back to the episode. Do you ever copy and paste, like let's say you have five different enchilada recipes and you have an FAQ section or questions that are very common about enchiladas. Do you use the same questions from post to post ever? Probably inadvertently. Um, And it might be helpful too. We haven't actually dove into that yet, Um, but we definitely have some overlap. Like we have our fun facts at the bottom. So that is similar or the same on certain posts. But um, I think like questions like how to reheat enchilada, if we have multiple enchilada posts, then that's the same. Um, But if it's otherwise, we don't seek out the other posts because I forget. (laughs) So yeah, because sometimes I mean, just like information about enchiladas is valuable, no matter what type of enchiladas you're making, like how to reheat, how to freeze, how whatever. Exactly. So that stuff would all be the same. But um, otherwise, we try and throw in a couple different ones. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense too. Like maybe a few common and then a few different, just depending on what other ingredients are involved. You mentioned fun facts. So you do fun facts about the recipe? Yeah. So at the bottom of each post, we kind of along the lines of joy to the food, <laughs> we do a fun fact about it. So, like, um, I just wrote one on a strawberry crunch cake, which if you've ever had a strawberry shortcake bar, Um, that's what it's based on. And the history goes that, um, the founder of the ice cream company that developed these strawberry shortcake bars went into a shop in like Iowa or something and got this coated ice cream. And the daughter was like, I can't hold it. How do I hold it? So then the brother was like, let's put a stick in it. And that's how a popsicle stick was formed. So kind of fun stuff like that. Um, which it's never more than one or two sentences just to I think it's interesting and I like to learn about it. Well, you all know how much I love fun facts. So I love that sort of thing. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fun and I, it, it's more enjoyable to write. Yeah, right. It gives it a little twist and most people don't do that. So that makes it unique too. Yeah. And then you have recipe notes or recipe tips on top of that. Um, yeah. So once in a while we'll have tips if there's very specific things um, like we have s'mores bars and you need to 
it's helpful to cut parchment paper in a very specific way to get the bars out of the pan. So certain things like that would go into the tip section, but we don't always have it. We kind of judge it based off of the recipe. If the facts and the common questions have already covered it, we're not going to double up and include tips. So all of that stuff, if you think through all of that as you're writing your post, it really should give you the opportunity to put those keywords in naturally that you need to put in. And I think that you're, you've are you covered so much here. When I first started writing posts, it was like, I don't know, it was really nice this weekend. And here's a great recipe I made over the weekend. And literally, that was it. And now there's so much more involved. But it's such a good way to get Google to and the user to just favor your content and see you as a valuable one-stop resource for whatever you're writing about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's worth noting that even if you have an outline, it's likely to change. Mm, um, that's a good point. There's always iterations of it as you learn more, as you grow. <laughs> it's continually changing, probably every couple of months um, if you're watching it. And always tracking your analytics to see if what you're doing is working is a good way to approach it. Nothing is ever static or stagnant (laughs) in this world. So just assume that you are going to need to have to change this and probably everything else. So I think that's a good thing to point out. It's not like you get it and you're like, okay, good. I'm set for the next five years. That's not how it's going to go. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you offered to share the outline that you use. Can we include that in the show notes for everybody? Yes, definitely. Oh, that Um, is super generous. But yeah, if you're not running Feast, otherwise you can add <laughs> to Feast. I think most people do. But And then you also have a checklist that you run through. So you run through this as you're writing, after you're done, or how do you go about that? Yeah, so at the end of the post, then I will run through a checklist, um, which is keywords. So I'll pop it in the optimizer. So I typically write it in Google Drive, and then I pull it into the optimizer and search through the keywords to see maybe what I haven't included. If I want to try and bring the grade up, it'll like give you a grade to indicate whether you've hit the keywords. Um, so I'll review that again. I'll read it through aloud once because if it sounds weird, then I'm not going to include extra words. Um, then I will do double check the common questions. If I want to change any, I make sure alt text is included, pin descriptions. Um, I also, we used to have uh, the recipe keyword in our heading or in our H2s, and now we don't. Um, so I make sure that that's not in there unless it's the recipe card, um, image sizes, and then make sure all the links um, are active because um, it's it's just easier to go through links all at the end. Um, and then the last thing we do is once that's published, we go through our old post that would be relevant to that new post and link to it, um, which I think is what Clarity kind of helps do, but we're not right there yet, but <laughs> so we manually do it. I was going to say, as you were talking through all of your points, I was like, Clarity is such a good solution for all of this. You can create those projects and like buzz through them. And then this is like basically an ad for Rank IQ and <laughs> Clarity because <laughs> both are so just, yeah, they work so well. That optimizer and Rank IQ, there's nothing like it out there. I use it all the time. It's so gold. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's it's got a lot of words that I don't always think about, which, like you yeah, said, it trains exactly. you to think a certain way. Yeah, um, right. So it makes so it easier to write. One good example for that is when I write my roundup post. So it's like, 
what to serve with corn on the cob, for example. Yeah. And I'll write it, put it over, and it has like all of these, like maybe recipe notes. So it, once you make corn on the cob, you know, maybe notes that you would put in a recipe post about corn on the cob. Interesting. And I wouldn't personally think to put that sort of information in a roundup post. Yeah. Yeah. But well, I, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when I see them, I, I almost get thrown off. Like once in a while, there'll be a keyword that has a typo in it. And I'm like, wow, people are searching things like that. <laughs> you know, it's just pulling it. So it doesn't have any control over it. The system doesn't, but um, it is something to be wary of. But like in that case, like why not put it in your roundup post? I mean, right. And, and that makes it more of a one-stop shop. Like we're talking about because maybe someone is looking for something to serve with corn on the cob, but while they're there, they're making corn on the cob. Maybe they don't make it often. So they need those little notes. And I don't put like a ton of notes usually in that sort of format, but I mean, anything that can help the reader to make the best corn on the cob and then serve it with the perfect thing. So it, it does make sense. Yeah, and it's almost nice, too, on those roundup posts in particular, because if you're reading through and you're there first, so like say there's something very specific you should know before you started corn on the cob, then maybe it's there before you started, so it saves you time. So that's why those optimizers, just find a good one um, that you like, and that's why they're so valuable. And I know there's an optimizer inside of AdThrive's dashboard. I've used it like twice, and honestly, I have not used it a ton because Rank IQs is so good. So I just continue to use <laughs> yeah. that one. Um, but I know some people do really know or they use and like the AdThrive one as well. So just find find one that's really robust and that you like and you feel is giving you those good keywords and giving you good information to put in your posts and just lean on it. I think that's kind of the overarching theme here is to lean on those tools that are really valuable and to be thorough when writing your content. Yep. Yeah, I think that goes for outline too. If you have a different outline that you like or you want to pull parts of what we do and put it into the feast, like whatever works for your website um, and is easiest for you to write, people want to go there because it's you're giving them value and information in your own way. So That's so great. So if you have feast or if you don't have feast, this is just such a great way to kind of outline all of your content and include all of those amazing words that you should be using. Is there anything we've forgotten today that you want to talk about, Micah? I don't think so. We went over a lot. Okay. Well, thank you. This was like short, sweet, and super valuable. It's like one of those um, episodes that people are just going to be like, oh, good. It was just going to be like, can she talk slower? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, they will not say that or think that I promise. Well, it was such a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. And I know I asked you this last time, but I ask everyone, do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with today? Yeah, I recently was following um, the New Happy podcast, I think it is. And they say that they have a quote on there that's, um, find little moments of joy in your day, note it, and expand upon it. Ah. Uh. I love that. Can I tell you what my little moment was today? So <laughs> yeah. I woke up and I slept in a little bit because it's Sunday. And I i don't know, there's just kind of a, you you live in the Midwest too. So you know what I'm talking about. There's like a dreary theme this winter and spring. <laughs> like it just has not been nice overall. So I woke up and I was like, oh, dreary. But then our window was cracked. So I heard the birds chirping and that's a sign oh. like, spring is here so I was like oh my gosh I loved 
that sound. I was just trying to focus on that. Like, I'm not going to focus on the dreary, cool weather. I'm going to focus on the amazing birds chirping. So that was my little thing for the day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When we went to the river today, there was like four or five cardinals that I saw, which is always really fun. And they're all over and excited. Oh, I love that. I love cardinals. I love it when I see them. Yeah. Flash of red. Well, thank exactly, you. Yeah. Yes. Thanks so much. We're going to put together show notes and we will put together that outline that Micah referred to in her show notes. So you can go find those at eatblogtalk.com forward slash joy to the food three since we've had you and Dan on. Now this is the third time. So just to reiterate where everyone can find you online and on social media. Yeah. So you can find us at uh, joy to the food at Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, um, TikTok, and then at joytothefood.com. Great. Well, thank you again, Micah, so much for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.